Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 907. Seems like we've had a lot of uh, little anniversaries around here lately, including our 900th show seven weeks ago. We have another one today, and it's the third anniversary of the audio postcards, avian audio postcards created by our own Freya McGregor, and since uh, adopted and followed on by lots of listeners, we're happy to say. Well, on this third anniversary for Freya, we have a a report from her from a place down in South Carolina. Hey, everybody. It's Freya McGregor here with the birds that started it all. There's two barred owls calling to each other here at Congaree National Park in South Carolina. I'm on the boardwalk trail and it's dusk and I heard one as soon as I started out near the visitor center but these are two others I'm a mile and a half away from the visitor center and it's so fun listening to them the very first audio postcard I ever sent y'all featured four or five barred owls calling to each other across the Mississippi Delta in Arkansas almost exactly three years ago. So, happy third birthday, audio postcards. (laughs) How fun is that? (laughs) All right, bye. Thank you, Freya, and happy third anniversary, audio Postcards. We'd love to get uh, postcards from listeners. If you have some observation you'd like to share with us, just kind of like Freya does, send it along. Send it right to me at ray at com. Well, we're a radio show and a podcast, but we don't mind promoting TV shows, especially when they're about birds. This sounds pretty interesting. PBS has a show in their nature series coming this week. It's called Woodpeckers, The Whole Story. Yes, H-O-L-E. Many stations carrying it Wednesday night, November 2nd. But as they say, check your local listings. Here's something we're excited to learn about. The National Recreation and Park Association, in partnership with Niagara Cares, has announced the winners of the 2022 Perk Your Park Project. Winners receive a $75,000 park improvement grant to revitalize their outdoor community spaces. And the first place winner with 26,000 votes is the George Mitchell Nature Preserve, the Woodlands, Texas, in a project spearheaded by our friend and awesome 
Talking Birds supporter and ambassador Joy Klump. Her group will use that $75,000 prize to create a bird blind in a spot um, where birds are recorded year-round, a number of species there year-round, including roseate spoonbills, blue and green-winged teal, mottled ducks, ospreys, and bald eagles. And Joy says she hopes it'll be a spot that can connect more people to birds and nature. And I'm sure it will. Congratulations, Joy. And congrats to the other winners, too. Seaborn Creek Nature Park in Rosenberg, Texas, and Cocoa Point Park in Coconut Creek, Florida, all receiving big cash prizes for bird-themed projects in their hometowns. Well, it's kind of our Halloween show here on Talking Birds, so we thought we ought to have a kind of a scary-sounding bird in here. And we do that here for our mystery bird. This is a preview of the contest coming along in just a little bit. Our mystery bird is a large, soaring bird found mostly in the southern U.S. and down to Mexico and beyond, although it has been expanding its range well up into the northeastern states in recent years. Our bird is mostly black with broad wings showing large whitish patches at the tips, a short square tail, and a dark gray unfeathered and wrinkled head. It feeds mainly on carrion, although it scavenges, too, for fish and vegetable material and will sometimes take small live animals. It's our mystery bird. Just a preview to get you warmed up for the contest a bit later on and beautiful prizes uh, for the contest, including a big bag of bird-friendly, shade-grown, certified organic, fair-trade, delicious birds and beans coffee. And just in time for those finches coming down from up north, the Droll Yankees' new generation metal finch sock. It's a durable all-metal alternative to fabric finch socks, and those are the main prizes. And we have bonus prizes uh, standing by as well if we have time for our bonus question this morning on our mystery bird contest. Well, our Make Your Own Swag contest is almost over, and this is kind of the last call for entries if you have a patch and are ready to send us a picture. Get it, get, get it to us by November 4th, Friday at midnight. We'll announce the winner, the grand prize winner, on a random drawing of that beautiful Vortex HD Viper spotting scope on our next show, number 908. Here's a salute to some special people. Two more Talking Birds ambassadors helping us do what we're trying to do, which is to spread the word about birds and conservation. And thank you to Dale from Franklin, Connecticut, north of New London there. Thank you so much, Dale. And thank you to Amelia Brynarski from Oak Park, Illinois. They're in Cook County part of the greater Chicago area. Thank you, Amelia. Talking Birds listeners, we would love to have you join our ambassadors family, still growing by the day, and we hope you'll become part of it. Easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com, click on the Get Involved button, and then clue or choose um, Become an Ambassador. I think that's right. Yeah, that is right. Still to come today, we're going to slow it down a little bit here with some slow birding. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a Let's Ask Mike segment, almost live from the archive, about the most abundant bird 
in the world? He'll ask us a, a little bit of a tricky question about that. And up next, our featured feathered friend is presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. If you had a plume on your pileum, how would it make you feel? Would you shake your fists at the gods and demand an immediate appeal? Would you say, take it off, take it all off, this thing that I'm talking about? Would you refuse to view your reflection because its mere sight is grossing you out? Or should you instead show it proudly, knowing your complaints were inflated? Because you're a gorgeous woodpecker. Common name, Pileated. The Pileated, or Pileated, if you prefer, woodpecker. And you get your name from that plume on your pileum, that red crest at the top of your head. And until they find an ivory bill down in Arkansas or Louisiana or Florida, you're the most spectacular woodpecker in all of North America, as big as a crow and a lot more colorful. The female pileated, unlike that of the legendary ivory bill, also has a red crest, although a less extensive one than the male, and she doesn't share his red mustache. The pileated woodpecker digs big rectangular holes in trees, especially dead ones, in search of carpenter ants and wood-boring beetle larvae. These holes can be so deep and so wide that they can cause small trees to break in two. The call sound of the pileated is similar to that of a smaller woodpecker, the northern flicker, but louder and kind of crazier. It's the bird that was the inspiration for the creation of that famous TV star named Woody. <laughs> Today's featured feathered friend, Dryocopus pileatus, the pileated woodpecker. Now we should uh, we should point out here that the idea that the pileated or pileated was the inspiration for the Woody woodpecker character has been strongly disputed. In fact, in the autobiography of Walter Lance, the animator who created Woody, he says that he and his wife, Grace, while honeymooning in a California cabin, were amused by an acorn woodpecker who was stashing nuts under the roof shingles. He said they liked the little raucous scream the bird emitted and that his wife said to him, Walter, why don't you make him into a character? However, that story has also been called into question because apparently the Lances were not married until after Woody made his screen debut. The debate rages on. Welcome again to our show number 907. Our special guest this morning is Joan E. Strassman. She's an award-winning teacher of animal behavior, first at Rice University in Houston, then at Washington University in St. Louis. She's written more than 200 scientific articles on the behavior, ecology, and evolution of social organisms. She's a member of the National Academy of Sciences and the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, and a fellow of the Animal Behavior Society and the American Association 
for the Advancement of Science and has held a Guggenheim Fellowship. All her life, Joan has been a slow birder. But that's not a bad thing, as she tells us about now in her fascinating new book called Slow Birding, the Art and Science of Enjoying the Birds in Your Own Backyard. And she joins us here from St. Louis, Missouri. Good morning, Joan. Good morning. Great to have you on, Joan, and thank you for your wonderful book. And you start off there right in, the, in your preface saying, why not slow birding? After all, we have slow food. How are those, <laughs> how are those connected? How, we, how do you compare them? Well, I think that uh, the slow movement, food movement was a big uh, step forward for celebrating local artisanal food that uh, started in Italy. It was a response to a, a McDonald's going in Rome right by the stan- Spanish steps. <laughs> Carlo Petrini reacted vigorously to that and felt that Italian food was worth celebrating food cooked slowly from mm-hmm. scratch in ways unique to the locale. So I, uh, as a teacher of animal behavior, I immediately thought back in uh, 1987 when this came out that, oh, we should have slow birding, <laughs> birding that is local, that is careful, that involves learning about the birds and watching the same birds over and over again. How much do you really get off just ticking a new bird off your list? A bird about which you really know nothing about their lives. Mm-hmm. Of course, that does have its own satisfactions. <laughs> but slow birding is so much more accessible to all of us. Mm-hmm. Well, you write uh, in, in your book, you have a structure here where you have an essay about a bird and then suggest activities for Slow birders, you have everything from northern cardinals to northern flickers to great egrets and snow geese. And I thought we'd just quickly uh, mention three birds, and two of them I think we can call abundant and one common, starting off with the blue jay in the chapter, Blue Jay Mighty Oaks from Little Blue Jays Grow. You talk about the kind of love-hate relationship a lot of people have with blue jays, but also how... Blue jays have uh, kind of shaped uh, our continent. Tell us just a little bit about uh, what that means. So so one thing that, you know, living in the U.S. and seeing our forests and prairies and, yes, parking lots, you forget that all of this is new, that only, you know, 10, 12,000 years ago, the northern third of this country was under ice. And... It's so recent that it's actually measurably still lifting up from that ice cover. So then we have the question of, well, how did all these trees get north so quickly? Now, 10,000 years might not sound quick to you, but in a biological sense, it's really quite fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, one theory is that uh, the Blue Jays were the ones that brought the oaks north. And this has been looked at uh, at more local scales from just seeing how far blue jays carry acorns, what they do with them, and uh, then multiplying it up at a continental scale. So uh, 
Yeah, we've got oak forests going as far north as they do, thanks to the Blue thanks, Jay. Thanks to the Blue Jay. I was sorry about everything we said about you, Blue Jay. We take it. We take it all back. We might want to take a lot back about the house sparrow too, another bird that you feature. And you start off by saying, "Who doesn't love house sparrows?" And uh, I guess I could think of a person or two who who, who might not. But you delve into a fascinating history uh, and science about house sparrows, and for one thing, how they became so ubiquitous. Um, and then you have your house sparrow activities for slow birders, as you do for all the birds. And then the white-throated sparrow. And um, there's science in all of uh, your book, maybe especially, though, in the case of the white-throated sparrow. We're really short of time, Joan, but I wonder if you could tell us just a little bit about this interesting um, pairing, this, uh, these two color forms of the white and the tan in uh, white-throated sparrows. So if you if those of us through the through the northern third of the US now have white-throated sparrows that have come down from their breeding grounds in the north and you'll notice that the throats and tops of the heads of some of them are white and some are tan. You might be forgiven to make the mistake thinking that the whites are males and the tans are females because John James Audubon thought that. And actually, it's one of the very few mislabeled uh, illustrations that he has. Mm-hmm. What's really true is that there could be viewed as four sexes where there's mm-hmm. white males and white females and tan males and females. Mm-hmm. Well, what's this all about? It turns out there's a piece of DNA in their chromos in the white one's chromosomes that got flipped Mm -hmm. and that caused the white form and there's a lot of other changes that went along with it one of them is that white males cannot mate successfully with white females Mm -hmm. so when you find nesting birds white males will be with tan females and then tan males could actually mate with either white or Mm -hmm. tan females but they choose the white females because those tan males are uh, are a little on the raunchy side, and they're aggressive, <laughs> and they mate with whoever they can. Hmm. They're not very great fathers, mm-hmm. but they can't mate with white females, so white tan hmm. males hmm. avoid a lot of uh, family intrusion by choosing the white females. Fascinating, and so much more in that chapter. We're almost out of time, Joan, but I wanted to ask you if you would read just this last paragraph in in, in your conclusion, uh, the last yes, section of, of the book, just kind of about how, what, what slow birding, I guess, really means to you. Have there been changes here in St. Louis? I might be seeing fewer hawks this year, or more, for there is natural variation in the tides of nature. Which patterns are real and which are imagined? And can they even be separated? I will keep watching the local birds, hoping to deepen my connection to the spot on the globe where I find myself. I am a slow birder, and I delight in the birds others might pass over. When someone asks what newer exciting birds I have seen on my morning walk, I smile and answer with delight as I name the commonest birds. (laughs) Beautiful. Joan Strassman is the author of this enlightening book, Slow Birding, the Art and Science of Enjoying the Birds in Your Own Backyard. Joan, thanks for being with us, and congratulations on a remarkable book. Thank you. 
Joan Strassman here on Talking Birds. And up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Almost want to apologize for the sound of that mystery bird. Some have described it as sounding like spraying water into a plastic bucket. And that kind of sounds like it fits. Our mystery bird is a large, soaring bird found mostly in the southern U.S. and down to Mexico and beyond. It's expanding its range well up. It has been for a while now up into the northeast. Let me give the phone number here before I forget so we'll have time for our contest because time is extra short this morning or unusually short. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Please call us as soon as you can with your guess or your definitive answer. No correct answer means a drawing. We'll determine the winner. Our bird is mostly black with broad wings showing large whitish patches at the tips, a short square tail and a dark gray unfeathered and wrinkled head. Feeds mainly on carrion, although it also scavenges for fish and vegetable material and sometimes will take small live Animals. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number. Call us and give us the answer or your guess. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, almost live from the archive, let's ask Mike in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all, along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for, in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us to Quest for the Quetzal in Costa Rica or our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more, guaranteed. It's a little bit of a cloudy day, but of course in Cape Cod it is gloriously sunny. That's where Mike O'Connor is here for our Let's Ask Mike segment. Good morning, Mike. Just putting on the sunblock now, Ray. Oh my goodness. Keep that hat on there with the wide brim. You're gonna... <laughs> so Mike, I know you want to uh, tell us about the most abundant bird in the world, and we figured we know what this is. The red-billed quelia, 
from sub-Saharan Africa in the millions. That bird, it, are we uh, correct about that? Uh, no, 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 not really. That's a nice guess, right? Thank but you, uh, yeah, red-billed quelea in Africa. There is actually a lot of those. They mm-hmm. uh, they say close to maybe 1.5 billion of those, and they wow. kind of roam and um, really taking advantage of the agriculture, which I'm sure the farmers don't like, but they, mm-hmm. they eat a lot of millet and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's one bird that I think. I've never seen a red-billed quelea, have you? I have not, but I, I have no. I haven't. A lot that I'm aware of having seen it. No. <laughs> I haven't been to sub-Saharan Africa, so probably not. Yeah, probably not. But the most common bird, I think most people uh, uh, listening to your show probably have seen this bird. Yeah? It's the uh, our old friend, the domesticated chicken. <sighs> I you never thought those. of that, did you? I have seen them, though, yes. I have seen With a population pushing 23 billion, holy smokes. Wow. That means for every person in the world, there's three chickens. So oh, wow. if there's going to be a, a revolt, it's going to come from the chickens. Come from the chickens. The Who knew? Yeah. They've okay. got the numbers. And speaking of revolts, the mm-hmm. people seem to be arguing where the domesticated chicken came from. Mm-hmm. Um, your your, your um, high school buddy, Charles Darwin, always told everyone <laughs> oh, that... I miss him. Have you ever heard from him lately, by the way? He never calls. He never, never calls. <laughs> he, he said it was from the red jungle file, which is a... Mm-hmm. Looks just like a chicken. Looks like Rhode Island Red, as a matter of fact, or mm. somewhat like it. Mm. But they're a, a, a truly wild bird that roams the, the uh, tropics of Southeast Asia. Mm. Other people claim that it's uh, a lot has to do with the, the great jungle fowl from India, and they think it was first domesticated in India probably five between five and eight thousand years ago. Mm. But then other people go think it has to do with China. And believe it or not, there's these researchers going from continent to continent looking for chicken bones, trying to come up with an answer for this. How long long ago and where the first domesticated chicken came from? I thought they came from Kentucky, but I guess that's just the the fried ones. (laughs) That's where the fried ones come from. There you go. Now we know. Thank you, Mike. Okay, talk to you later. They're at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans. Cape Cod for a Let's Ask Mike segment. Back to the Mystery Bird Contest right after this. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. Just just in case you're just tuning in, we'll play this sound one more time here on our mystery bird contest. It's a large, soaring bird found mostly in the southern U.S. and down to Mexico and beyond, expanding well up into the northeast, mostly black with broad wings, and in most uh, one of the most um, clear marks, that dark gray unfeathered head. 781-837-4900. What is it? Charlie is somewhere in Pennsylvania. Good morning, Charlie. Hey, Ray. Charlie. Charlie. Originally from Hanover, then down the Cape, and I'm in Pennsylvania now. How you been? Wow, I've got to write this down. Hanover, Cape, and <laughs> Pennsylvania. Okay, I got it. Doing well, Charlie. Good to hear from you. And the, and, uh, the American what? Eagles are beautiful out here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. All right. And I've been listening to you since show 200. But my guest for today yes. is the Black Vulture. The Black Vulture is the guest from Charlie out there in Pennsylvania. You are absolutely correct. Nice job, Charlie. Thank you, Ray. 
Thank you. Awesome. Okay, I don't think we have time for a bonus question, but if you'll stay on the line, we will make sure we send you those prizes. Thank you. Happy Halloween to you and your family. Happy Halloween, Charlie. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Charlie, correctly identifying the black vulture as our uh, mystery bird this morning. Who would dominate, you might be wondering, in a one-on-one between a black vulture and a turkey vulture? They tell us that the answer is the turkey vulture. However, black vultures rarely travel alone, so flocks of them can quickly take over a carcass and drive the more solitary turkey vultures away. We are out of time for this morning's show. We have lots of wonderful guests coming along here very shortly, and I want to give a quick thank you to another proud plurter, and that's Jane in Bonita Springs, Florida. She says it's especially important to pick up litter post-Hurricane Ian and in preparation for another year of avian flu while checking on the health and well-being of our birds. She says, making lemonade from lemons, being without power, internet, and cell service allowed a lot of bird watching in my backyard. And she's doing a lot of flirting. Find out about it at TalkingBirds.com slash flirting. We think it's a good idea. We hope you will, too. And that is it for our show this morning. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com by Vortex Optics with a VIP warranty their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered learn more at vortexoptics.com and Quest Nature Tours offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970 explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com and Beautyo Books an independent family-owned bookstore Carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com